0: What's Next Alberta is brought to you by Connect First Credit Union. I'm Beth Kerr, your host for this week's episode of What's Next Alberta. Today we're going to talk a lot about community and what it takes to build a great community. This topic is so close to all of our hearts at Connect First because we're all about community. We support the communities where our members and employees live and work. We couldn't imagine a better guest to talk about this very important topic than Eva Friesen, who is the CEO of the Calgary Foundation. Welcome, Eva. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. So we know our audience likes to get to know our guests on a personal level. So can you please share a little bit of your story, where you're from, and what got you here? Sure. I started out in a very little
1: village in southern Manitoba, spent 18 years there, then went to school at University of Manitoba, Jumped up north, Rankin and Yellowknife, and down into Calgary in 1989. I uh, fell into work with the YWCA in Winnipeg is where I started my career. So I didn't even know the word charitable sector when I fell into that job. <laughs> okay. By the time I came to Calgary in 89, I came there to be the CEO of the YW. And uh, people said to me after they met me, we were raising money because that's what a charity always does is raise money. And people would say to me, wow, you're good. You could get a real job in the business sector. (laughs) And that I found a little offensive, but I decided to take that and and go learn about what that meant. And so I took an MBA, part-time, night school, long-haul, heavy-duty work at the University of Calgary, and I learned a really important thing. And that is that the only difference between leadership in the business sector, corporate sector, and the charitable sector is who you're building value for. In the business sector, you build value for shareholders or owners yourself if you're an entrepreneur. And in the charitable sector, you're building value for a community. And that turned me on. And so I fell into work in the charitable sector, but I stayed there with absolute intent.
0: Wow, that's really impressive. Let's shift focus a little bit. What brought you to the Calgary Foundation? I think you've been there for quite some time now.
1: I have been there 17 years. You know, I fell into that. It called me over and I took it thinking it was just probably the coolest thing in the world. I'd worked at the YWCA for 22 years in three cities, Yellowknife, Calgary and Winnipeg, and uh, the Health Trust in Calgary and now the Calgary Foundation. So I haven't had that many employers. I absolutely love what I get to do, which is use philanthropy that people have so generously given because they care about community to do great things in community.
0: I just love that. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the Calgary Foundation? Yeah, and I'll start with the
1: founding story because I think that's really cool. It's what I went exploring when they asked me to come work there. I went, well, what is it and why is it? Most importantly, why is it? So more than 100 years ago in the Midwest U.S. was founded this concept of a community foundation. It was solving the problem that people left money in their will to causes that were obsolete, no longer an issue. And so trustees Mm. of these wills didn't know what to do with the money stuck there in the will. And so the idea was, could we create an enduring organization to which people could leave their gifts upon their passing for community to solve problems they could not yet imagine and help people they would never meet? Wow. So in 1955, the Community Foundation in Calgary started based on that same theme and been around now for, what is that, 68-ish or so years. And uh, the change from the beginning to now is phenomenal. When I joined it, it was $250 million in the endowment. So the premise is people give gifts, and they're invested, and you make grants from the interest earned from the investments. In the beginning, when I came, we gave $24 million in grants to community, and uh, today we give $68 million a year to the community.
0: That's incredible. I mean, that is a huge number. I'm sure much of our audience is blown away by how significant that is.
1: Well, it is a huge number. And so one of the big things that's changed with that is the responsibility of what you do with that. So increasingly, we want to make transformational change in our community. So go upstream and solve root causes of problems rather than just putting band-aids on problems.
0: Can you give us a couple of examples of some of those areas that you're looking at? Yeah. So I'll
1: give an example of a recent announcement of a major grant we gave to the University of Calgary for their indigenous strategy. So everyone knows reconciliation is really important today. We've all had our awareness raised. And uh, we all know that changing Our very structures and our way of thinking and seeing is what will make the difference. So we gave a million dollars to the University of Calgary to support that work because when a big major mainstream institution like the University of Calgary can be successful in doing that kind of systemic change to change their curricula, how they approach the work to reduce the barriers for Indigenous students, wow, that will transform our city. So in that way, that is a major grant. Uh, You know, and on the same theme, we give a lot of grants to USE, which is Urban Society of Aboriginal Youth, which does phenomenal work, an indigenous-led organization. But if you put those two side by side, what's game-changing is when a big institution like the university shifts the way they do their work in the theme of reconciliation.
0: That's amazing. It's really inspiring to hear Now, let's talk about some of the big challenges as CEO of the Calgary Foundation. I imagine there's so many problems that you would love to solve. Like, how do you even start? So we're a 360-degree grant maker. So it's not
1: just into single themes. So that includes health, education, animal welfare, and lots of our work. Two-thirds of it is donor-directed, donor-advised. One-third of it is at our discretion we call it so we can address things like reconciliation racial equity current priorities mental health current priorities of the day at our discretion and we facilitate donors supporting what they care because there's no right philanthropy one cause doesn't trump another it's whatever you personally care about your personal journey will lead you to have a passion for something right. might be alzheimer's cure or right. early detection might be cancer Research, Mm So we support all of that. And so what's challenging is with all of that 360, how to give enough focus to really move the needle in places. Mental health is a big one today. COVID has exacerbated mental health issues. One organization won't solve that problem. So one of the things we love doing and we're doing increasingly more of is bringing organizations together that all see one view, it's like, you know, a diamond, and you just have one look at it from your angle. And if you bring organizations together all addressing it, new innovative solutions can arise from that. We've got a great collaboration with the Trico Changemaker Studio at the Mount Royal University to do exactly that, called the Not-for-Profit Resiliency
0: Lab. Very cool. We love a lot of the work Mount Royal is doing. And last season, we had Rob DePaul on the show, who's really pioneering a lot of very cool work. Now, we've come to the part in the show where we like to ask guests for some advice. You know, one of the conversations we're having is how can we make a more significant impact on some of the issues that you're talking about? How can we play a role? Knowing that the tools that we have are largely financial and not like we have a ton of money to donate, we're trying to look at how we can make a bigger impact. So, Eva, do you have any advice for us?
1: Well, I think you do great. And I don't know if you even know, but we've had a 14-year partnership with a small community grants um, in the neighborhood, sort of starting with neighborliness and with grassroots grant making is what we call it. And that's an excellent example of things Connect First has done and done very, very well. So like, good on you. And I think you're ideally positioned to continue doing the outreach into community, to engage community where they're at support great initiatives at a small grassroots level. Certainly in inside banking instruments, there's probably a lot of barriers in there for diverse groups. So you could probably join us on that journey like we're doing, which is just a look inside ourselves to see what barriers are in our blind spots that Mm -hmm. we could reduce to be more relevant to everyone.
0: I love that. Thank you very much. Now, another topic of conversation we have all the time is about building a brighter future and what our economy is going to look like. So one of the things that's going to be really important to our future in a lot of respects is making sure we have an economy that supports everyone, not just a few. Any thoughts around how we can make sure we have a resilient economy that helps everyone rise up?
1: You know, and that's a good question because the success of community and a community where everyone belongs, a thriving community, is essential to having a good economy. The two are not independent of each other. So... The economy of our city, business, corporations, they need a thriving community for them to be successful. Those two are so interwoven. And belonging isn't the same as fitting in. Belonging means you can come as your true authentic self and be valued, as opposed to having to hide parts of Mm -hmm. you so that you fit in. So all of our grant making, in fact, our reason for being, is to create a community where everyone belongs and thrives. That will make business more successful.
0: You know, you're talking about some of the biggest challenges that we have to deal with as an economy in this province. And yet you're finding such a bright light, finding possibility, and you're giving so much positivity. It's just lovely talking with you. And when you're thinking about the work you're doing at the foundation, what does it look like on the ground? What do you and your team do? There are amazing, great things
1: happening on the ground. And it's my nature to want to focus on the good of that rather than on the insurmountable problems. The news likes to focus on the latter, and it can get kind of depressing. But in fact, there's phenomenal good stuff happening. For example, two organizations in from the cold and home space put together Sierra Place, a refurbished downtown empty office building to create affordable housing. I mean, and I think that's underway right now. We gave a big grant towards that as well. Phenomenal creativity assisting our empty downtown, assisting a population which right. is not able to find housing. Calgary Reads is another example. Their literacy for young children is their purpose. And they're 22 years later, they're winding down. But in the winding down story, they are giving parts of their work, making sure the mission is alive and well. So the Rotary Clubs will carry on with the book sale, the annual book sale, which raised the money. Other groups are carrying on with the program of literacy. Most charities, if they have to wind down for whatever reason, they think of it as failure and don't talk about it. Whereas you can turn it into a successful transition to the next chapter, which we've helped and through the Tricho Changemaker Studio has helped Calgary Reads go into that latter category of successful transition. So the mission will be even bigger. Than it was before.
0: So when you're looking ahead at the next few years, like what are some of the big challenges you see ahead for the Calgary Foundation? Well,
1: oh, I don't see any challenges.
0: <laughs> I just see opportunities. <laughs> Absolutely. Opportunities Absolutely. to keep doing
1: change-making work and to seeing it differently. When we're a big foundation now, and with big can come, you know, nonchalance. So our challenge is not to be that. But, you know, the pressing needs of community are so great, I think it'll be hard-pressed for us to become nonchalant.
0: Yeah. I'd say it's pretty evident that the Calgary Foundation will never be in a position to be nonchalant. So you spoke about seeing opportunities, not challenges. Let's talk about what you're most excited about when you look around. What's happening in Calgary and Alberta these days? Well, I'm excited.
1: I've lived here since eighty nine. The Calgary is such a can do place. So despite how tough it's been already, not just COVID, but before COVID, totally. the price of oil and gas, yes. like like it's been a tough thing, but you just can't kick this city down and have it <laughs> stay there. So You know, it's amazing to me. And that's why I live here because of this, the can-do attitude, the willingness to just problem solve and go the next way. So we are diversifying the economy totally because of great leaders in our community doing it. Young people are so phenomenally smart and willing and eager and creative doing things differently. So like I am optimistic because of that next cadre of new graduates coming out of universities and out of high schools and the energy that they put to the problems, right? I, I'll speak for me, we have to remember when the older generation who's done this now for a few years uh, steps back and allows them to show us another way, and that's good too.
0: For sure. And the resiliency you're talking about in the city is pretty impressive. And I've got to tell you, it's one of the reasons I love it here. I'm a born and bred Calgarian, and there's a special kind of DNA in the makeup of this community. Somehow, we just always seem to find a way to get to say Yes, we can. And that's really cool. So we can't let you go without asking for more advice. We just launched a new brand into market uh, coming on a year and a half ago. We jokingly say that it's the largest credit union that not enough people have heard of yet. We're one of Canada's largest, and yet we're still new. And that's because it was intentional. We wanted to step back and try to reinvent ourselves and reimagine what a credit union could be. If we were designing it for the 2020s and the needs of people today, what advice would you have for us as we're on this journey to create that new credit union?
1: I think you're in the business of helping people, families, people realize their dreams. And your tool is money, finance, but it's uh, about people being the best they can be. And that's where we have a lot in common. Our business is to help communities thrive, and that's yours too. I guess what I try to do, and I'll pass that on then as advice, is listen. You know, just listen hard to what are the dreams and how can we shift ourselves to better achieve that. You know, rather than make the tool fit as we have it, how can the tool shift to better fit?
0: 100%. And when you're looking ahead at the next decade, it's a question we ask every guest, and we'd love to see what you have to say. What are your predictions for Alberta? What is Alberta and what is Calgary going to look like?
1: Well, I think we're going to look more diverse because that's happening and we can see the trends. And so a hope is perhaps better than our prediction, but I'll, <laughs> I'll stick my neck out and predict that we will be more inclusive community and that we will have a shorter gap between the rich and the poor because that gap, when the gap is big, then societies don't thrive and we have problems. For sure. We're all recognizing that. And so a living wage is higher than a minimum wage and that we will give all Calgarians an opportunity for a living wage and that more Calgarians will be integrated into the economy and the social fabric and thriving.
0: I'm sure our audience right now is feeling inspired just as I am. And want to make a difference. They want to take a page from your book and do more to support the building of our community. Any advice for those folks who don't know where to start? Well, everyone, no matter how poor or rich,
1: can do philanthropy because it's about giving of yourself, whether that's time, talent, or money. And so anyone can start where they are in their own neighborhood and their own community and see an area that they're inspired to help make better and they can start doing it. They don't need anyone to tell them how. They just can
0: start right in their own neighborhood. Amazing. So before we wrap, is there any other message you want to make sure our audience hears from you today? Well, I think it
1: takes a whole community to make a healthy community.
0: Well said. Well, thank you, Eva. We really appreciate you joining us on the show today. We're going to keep watching everything you and the Calgary Foundation is doing out in our community, and we wish you all the best as you continue on your great work. Thanks for coming today. Thanks. Next Steps. So Eva Friesen is one of the most energizing guests we've ever had on the show. Just an incredible conversation we're all truly inspired at Connect First. I now appreciate that none of us can possibly abdicate our role in building a great community here. We're all in it together. I mean, I think that was the most inspiring thing to me. And I think the story of the Calgary Foundation needs to be told even more because it's just an incredible story of an organization who is making a meaningful impact and solving the problems for our collective future. It's hard not to feel good about being in a city with a foundation led by someone like Eva. So with that, if you like what you heard today, share it with your network and be sure to subscribe. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on What's Next Alberta.